Folks, I am Richard. I am joined by Simon. Hi, Simon. Yellow. We are in a spooky time, so let's do this. Talk about a film that contains 100% Halloween goodness. It's got all the trick-or-treats. It's called I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. Um, I want to read a review from a hero real quick. Oh, I... I was I was meant to look up one star reviews on Amazon and I forgot I'll put them. I'm in only the gonna do now. one. Okay. I'm only gonna do one because this guy's a fucking hero. Of course, I'm talking. We're talking about I am the pretty thing that lives in the house from 2016. Yes, we're gonna spoil it. Although the consensus is, is that nothing happens in it, so who cares if we spoil it, right, Simon? <laughs> Fuck him. Here we spoil, go. Yeah. <clears throat> this is from John Boy 274. John Boy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, which may, reminds me of the Garfield Christmas special, which oh, if you boy. haven't seen, there's a character named John Boy. Anyway, the title of this review is Don't. Just don't. After reading other reviews, I feel compelled to write this for the sake of all humanity. Oh, my word. Do not bother with this film. It is goddamn awful. Worst film to grace my TV. Do not bother, all caps. God bless you, John Boy. Well, that's uh, okay. Well, I guess we can just stop recording then. Yeah, dude. Uh, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> have a great week and go fuck them yourselves. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. No, um, <laughs> this is a movie that I'm going to go ahead and just fucking drop it right here. Top 10 for me. Yeah. Easily. I, um, um, mm-hmm. I saw this at a very, very important time. I was, uh, as is folks who have been a fan of the show for years now, uh, we had a co-host named Nafa, uh, my best buddy. Uh, he passed away very suddenly, and uh, this movie kind of swept in, swept in, swept, swept right in there, <laughs> and really helped a lot with my my grieving process because it's a movie about grief, <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> yeah, I will get into that. I'm sure. I mean, nothing happens in it, so I can't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, let's see. Let's I'll throw a trailer right here. Here's a trailer with some some enigmatic stuff because that's this movie's whole bag. I have heard myself say the house that holds a memory of a death is the staying place of a rotted ghost. My name is Lily. I'm going to be staying with you from now on. I hope that's all right. I am 28 years old. 
was the trailer for the Halloween spook fest like forget forget Halloween kills forget terrifier this is the real Halloween 3 brother it kills and then it ends yeah dude Halloween slaps <laughs> Halloween bops Halloween slap at the base <laughs> Here is the uh, here's the one sentence plot synopsis from IMDb. <clears throat> Natasha Romanoff confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. Two hours and fourteen minutes. This is Black Widow. Oh. <laughs> anyway, Marvel MCU brother. Here's the actual sentence. A young nurse takes care of an elderly author who lives in a haunted house. Period. End of story. Microphone drop. Uh, pick that mic back up and have it repaired because you broke it when you dropped it. <laughs> Do you know about that? You know how, like, uh, sound guys and, like, uh, recording studio people hate mic drops? Oh, I bet, yeah. Yeah, they're like, that fucking microphone's $100, asshole. Stop <laughs> mic dropping. It's like, you know what, dude? You got to chill out because... You're literally, that's not even your microphone. <laughs> what are you upset about? <laughs> so speaking of stinkytuna.com, Simon, <laughs> uh, I have this uh, beautiful Blu-ray here. Mm. This is this is what's called a a, a Blu-ray, a, a BDR, a recordable Blu-ray disc. Uh, because Netflix is, are, you know, like dicks, net, net dicks. I actually wrote, I wrote down in my notes, Netflix presents. Because <laughs> I'm a moron. <laughs> Hey Simon, you want to check your nut your Netflix subscription? <laughs> I almost said I almost said Nutfix. But... <laughs> oh dude, I'm I'm Netflixing in 4K now, man. They got me, you know. So I'm, I'm partly responsible for this shit. <laughs> so of course, when uh, Netflix puts out something and and it's not popular enough, uh, they don't give it a physical release, and. I think now this is like the year 2022 or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think they're even less inclined to give anything that they produce a freaking Blu-ray, mm. <clears throat> which is really depressing. And uh, I love, I've loved this movie from day one. So I was like relieved when I found out that there are people, there are sites who will sell you um, a freaking Blu-ray of something that will never have a Blu-ray release. Uh, unfortunately, it's called stinkytuna.com, <laughs> and I want to fucking blow my brains out. <laughs> but yeah, it was reasonable. It was a reasonable price. I just found one here of, I don't know who's put this out, because I know I think Stinky Tuna is now, um, 
they've thrown the stinky tuna in the bin apparently it's been been out too long so you have to find uh, another uh, she's a shame yeah. <laughs> they don't even exist anymore brilliant great it's a shame but no somebody this says there's one available here. i'm looking at what is ecrater.co.uk so uh yeah. cool yeah yeah i mean format shifting is not illegal like if if there is yeah. no you know physical media then you can just make your own well so i was tempted and i might just be wasting my breath but you know still probably should send them a um netflix an email whatever it's like you know could you put this out or failing that could you you know give me like a better uh better stream like is is there a uh, 4k yeah. or an hdr you know possibility for it i just assume that osgood perkins the director of this film mm-hmm. uh, oh check out our black coat's daughter episode yes. if you if yes. you missed that we talked about uh his his uh first horror film that he did and uh i hope that he is going to keep like doing his thing mm. and get popular enough to where i know this is shooting for the stars here but this could be on arrow this could yeah. be i mean i would fucking dance in the streets if arrow got a hold of this oh uh, i would God. happily yeah. retire my stinky tuna brother <laughs> <laughs> uh the funniest thing about this stinky tuna blu-ray is the menu is a static menu with the choices of things and they they actually took the netflix interviews and, oh, right. and slap those on here too which are those you know those garbagey, you know, super fake documentaries, uh, or you know, like interviews with the cast. Like this movie's uh really unique and uh, unlike anything ever. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like it's it's about uh, looking in your fridge <laughs> when it's empty and thinking, man, should have bought some uh, muscle milk. <laughs> Which is ironic because um, Ruth Wilson, who works, she was in this movie. She stars in this movie. They didn't pay her in cash. She d- insisted on bottles of muscle milk. <laughs> Anyway, do you guys have muscle milk in the UK? Muscle milk? Uh, I don't know. I was thinking of nut butter then for some reason, which is something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they made muscle milk, they had to have known. It sounds disgusting. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I completely forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> the train has left the tracks. <laughs> the menu of the movie has artwork, promotional artwork from one of the paranormal activity movies. <laughs> Okay. And so it says, I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. And I think it has a picture of Ruth Wilson and and uh, and Lucy Boynton. And then it's like that little girl standing on her bed with the void, the black void opening up in her wall. What the and hell? I was like, y'all are setting up the people who've never seen this for utter failure. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. I mean, could they just be fresh tuna for once? <laughs> I say we just dive right into this because okay. uh, since nothing happens, we should be done real quick. <laughs> uh, so yes, this opens up with um, enigmatic, to say the least. I'm going to use that word, that word over and over again like I think I'm smart. This has a dedication at the beginning. It says, for AP, who gave me the old house, um, Osgood Perkins, son of the great Anthony Perkins. Uh, th- this film apparently was him uh, dealing with uh, his his grief and trying to exercise some of his... his uh, feelings about his dad yeah and um he said this in both these podcasts as well i think trying to sort of you know do all that and also connect with him you know and sort of figure him out somebody who he felt he couldn't really connect with so much while he was alive realizing i think you know that's kind of was kind of impossible which makes sense yeah the weird thing i learned that we we did not talk about in the first one uh in the the black coat's daughter episode was so anthony perkins died on september 12th Mm mm-hmm and then Osgood Perkins' mother, she died on September 11th. Yeah. In the terrorist attack 
on New York City. It's, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And, and he was talking about the the just the absolute horror of this whole thing and like thinking about these dates in September, like what was the significance, you know, like is the universe just a big joke and stuff like mm, that. Mm. And it's like, if you've seen Nope, then yes. <laughs> Which yes, look for uh, Osgood Perkins and Nope, he's in there. Oh, that's me even more excited to see it. It's a spoiler. Oh, yeah. Is it like a cameo or something, I guess? Yep, yep. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Here we are with this uh, this title sequence where we have uh, this narration, with this ghostly narration by our buddy Ruth Wilson. Ruth Wilson, uh, I have more stuff of hers I want to see. I have like a list yep. of her stuff. I saw her in um, Luther. Yeah, that's been on she my list the, for many, many villainess. years. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I remember her from Saving Mr. Banks, but not not exactly the most uh, memorable movie. I am really curious to see her in Jane Eyre. Mm. They did a yet another version of Jane Eyre <laughs> in uh, 2006, which, you know, it's a miniseries, so it's like four hours long. Lietta may have already seen this one. I'll have to ask her if she remembers it. Um, I think Lietta has a favorite version of Jane Eyre. She's doing narration and she's she's giving us riddles. They see one thing about the ghostly presence uh, in this movie is it's uh, it's no straight answers. It's always talking in riddles. And uh, one of the things we learn about ghosts in this opening thing is that they are free to go. Yeah, they have, nothing binds them to this world. They can just leave. And I just had intense freaking deja vu just now. <laughs> I have lived this moment before, Simon. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> no, that's that's fucking perfect. It really is. Yeah. For um, I'm sure we'll get into this. You know the whole uh, circular nature of this of this movie and how you know um, time is like oh, yes. you know it's like we've kind of transcended it. Which is funny. Um, I was just watching uh, the strings from 2021. Oh which yeah, has yeah, a, a lot yeah. in common with this movie. I need to watch um, this. I recommend it. I, mm. I, I I could see if people had an issue with the main character. The main character is um, they're full of affectations, right? Yeah. And I'm I it it crosses the line, or rather, the lines are blurred between is this an actual affectation that the actress has, or is this her character? And you never really know. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> but hey, I recommend the strings, um, especially for a one watch if you like. Um, quiet movies with very few characters. Hey, give it a ring. Give it a ring. Yeah, give it a call. Well, I find it interesting in that case. I didn't realize this. You may have told me. It says there, I'm looking at like a promotional picture. It says from the same producer as Black Coast Daughter and this film. So that oh, kind of makes yeah, sense. That's yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah, and I like the uh, the artwork. It has a very, that's kind of quite an almost like 70s look about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we see some some kids asleep in the house here. It's. They're being creeped on by a creeper with a flashlight, or that's just how ghosts see. I don't fucking know. And it has, um, I don't know whether you call this, funnily enough, it has, you know, like they do in silent movies, that kind of, do they call it like an iris, I think? Yeah, yeah. It's like they say, the iris is the butthole of the eyeball. <laughs> Didn't know <laughs> if you knew that. Uh, but yeah, this, this title, <laughs> this, this title sequence, this, the ghost of Lucy Boynton's character, um walking backwards we'll see a lot of her walking backwards um and just the smear that's like it's leaving this like sort of like ectoplasmy kind of smear as she's mm -hmm. walking through the the frame and then we get it's just 
the sound design sound oh design God. yeah is they should have gotten a fucking oscar for this shit man it's so good and the music elvis perkins osgood's um brother who did the music for good old um black Coat's daughter is back and i think for me this is the better score That's yeah just my taste it's yeah no i agree it's more kind of interesting in that it, it kind of blurs the lines of between sound design and music yeah you know and just it's very simple and it's probably i'd, I'd love to have a um because i looked on like youtube and there's none none of the scores out there just that just the song you know that we hear yeah. uh, that anthony yeah. perkins obviously sings but yeah it's just it's it's brilliant and just so pitch perfect for you know how everything's just drenched in is it reverb is it echo you can probably tell me you know it sounds I, like it's i think underwater i think it's it's reverb i think either they're using a reverb tank yeah. Which is the big metal the big metal thing and like it's it's basically condensed space. So you mm-hmm. can instead of like having the microphone really far away down a big metal hall or even a bathroom where you put a speaker in the bathroom because you know, you you get the, the sound bouncing off the tiles and you get reverb and you can <clears> record <throat> that amplifier or you have like stairwell um the stairwell at my library I work at is creepy. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's like six floors and you hear something down from the, the basement or the first floor and the way it reverberates back up to five or six floor man it's fucking creepy <laughs> i've always wanted to record there like mm-hmm. just just put it put a microphone down at the bottom and just fucking take a shit on the top floor <laughs> <laughs> this this opening sequence got me it's one of the most beautifully poetic things ever like if we you and i could just sit here and talk about this part for two hours i think this is one of those films and there's a lot we talk about you know the films we love that we could you know where they do those like minute by minute podcasts i mean this is one where it's like ostensibly yeah nothing happens and it is let's just say it now and this is where i mean in this first minute and i think osgood realized this when he was doing this for netflix it's like you know, I have this kind of limited time to basically do whatever I want. It's like people, you know, the the retention rate, I suppose, for keeping an audience on something is always <laughs> going to be incredibly up and down and kind of fickle anyway, you know, not to be judgmental about it, but, you know, yeah. to each throne and all of that. So I essentially see. he was like, well, fuck it. Some people are going to love this. Some people are going to hate it. So I think within this, this opening bit, um, you know, and how, like you say, riddle-like all the writing is and just wonderfully poetic and just very... I think like all, all of his films, you know, has this real literary quality. It's like straight yeah. away you're either going to love this or wonder what the fuck am I watching, <laughs> you know. Speaking of literary, we, we get to uh, meet Agnes Bloom and our Lily Sailor. So Lily is Ruth Wilson. Oh, and um, um, sorry, I'd be remiss if I always forget about this when we see. Is it like, I don't think it's a mailbox, but, you know, because she probably lives down, you know, out in the sticks. Yeah. She has a little signpost that just says Blum. So I have a note here. I think I mentioned this to you before, but so this is uh, this is Blumhouse, is it? Yes, I made that joke to Leanna when we were watching. I was like, "It's the Blumhouse." Great mind. This is the most un-Blumhouse motherfucking movie, too. <laughs> it's surprisingly Good not stuff. done by A twenty four. So yes, Agnes Blum, uh, the writer, who is this? She's the writer in this. Uh, the old lady. She's played mm. by the one, the only Paula Prentice. Folks, if you don't have a crush on Paula Prentice. Uh, then you haven't seen The Stepford Wives. Oh my no, God. I haven't. I haven't. Dude on a stick. Um, I know she's she's not the main character in The Stepford Wives, but she should be. Like I, n- no, no, uh, 
slam or diss to Catherine uh, Ross, who's the star of that film, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Paula Prentice lights up the movie. She yeah, is on fire in that movie. Oh, my God, dude. She's just so vivacious and beautiful. I love her. Uh, she's also played by um, Aaron Boyce. Oh, the young, uh, younger one. The younger version, who we'll see a lot in this movie, too. Uh, I'm gonna say yeah, especially in the the past, but I think also just generally the the vibe of this. So she she's kind of like a, I suppose meant to be sort of like a Shirley Jackson, sort yeah, of analog, yeah. I suppose. Especially uh, rec- yeah, her um, past sort of self, the the look of her and the yeah rec- that, reclusive, the hmm. yeah reclusive writer. Um, she she lives alone, and then she's she's obviously needs a nurse, which is why they're calling in uh, Lily Sailor, the hospice nurse, to come in and just kind of attend to her while she's on the way out. You yeah. know, 11 months. <laughs> I'm dying. Hurry. Just joking, bro. There's a, there's a portrait on the wall of a younger woman. It looks like it was taken in the 60s or 70s. Yeah. And I don't know who that's supposed to be. I don't have a clue. Oh, yeah. I spotted that and I... It's like... Uh, yeah, yeah. I that... thought it looked like somebody and then I've forgotten who the hell it is because I didn't write this down. Speaking of things not being explained... <laughs> Uh, so we meet uh, Lily Saylor. She's there uh, with the lawyer character who we'll talk about momentarily. Mm-hmm. And she introduces herself to us. Um, and what's awesome about this is that she stands in the, the front hallway of this old house. And she's only standing a few feet away from where she's going to end up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. There's so many hints in this of what's going to happen and little not so subtle and, and also some subtle clues of what's going to happen. Well, this is what I was going to say and I completely forgot. It's like ostensibly so simple, you know, like the, yeah. the, lo- the log line, if that's what you call it, you know, it's literally like, you know, what a one line sort of story right on the back of a post-it note folded, you know, into <laughs> quarters or whatever. But it's, it's so it's so kind of rich at the same time. Yeah. You know, oh, not just not oh just with, with atmosphere. So the whole thing, especially the more you watch it, kind of hums, you know, with all yeah. these like interconnected things. Totally. Uh the lawyer is is played by Bob Balaban. Um if you're gonna get a kind of like nerdy, um, uptight, not a not a complete asshole, but mm-hmm. just someone who's like ah, God, he he makes everything so awkward it's d- so yeah. good and it 124 it, credits oh, oh wow my god jesus but it's it's yeah just with doing kind of so little or doing so much so subtly you know there is something especially later in the movie kind of really oddly unnerving about him because you kind of don't really i suppose know where he's coming from yeah Oh my god, I was looking at his horror credits just to see what other horror stuff he's done. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, the, the films, he was in Altered States. Oh, right. Speaking of brilliant, things, rewatch. Brilliant movie. He was in Parents from 1989, where the kids' parents are cannibals. Uh, my favorite is his freaking... Um, oh my god, no, he directed Parents. Oh, shit. Holy shit, that is brilliant. I was wondering why I didn't remember him in that. He also directed a recent favorite of Lietta's and mine called My Boyfriend's Back from 1993. All right. Which you, I highly recommend, My Boyfriend's Back. It's a real stupid horror comedy. <laughs> um, he had a... Oh, uh, sorry. You just realized this sort of ties to Osgood. Because he did an episode of um, The Twilight Zone for Jordan Peele. Yeah, yeah, I've, not, yeah. I've not watched it. I really liked it. But it, Bob Balaban, he did a couple of episodes for the 2002 
2003 ser- uh, iteration nice. of that. Nice. Which and Os- Osgood Ooh. Perkins directed an episode of freaking. Uh, the new Twilight Zone. Exactly, yeah. And, oh, get this. He also directed, uh, in 1998, an episode of a TV series called Oz. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. The Oz is the the show about jail. jail. Oh, right. Yeah. It's probably like prisoner cell blocking. Yeah, that was one of the big shows of that era. Everybody was watching Oz. Guess what he directed the pilot for? What? Tales from the Dark Side, apparently. Pilot episode Trick or Treat, 1983. No shit! I'm, we're watching that this year, dude. Brilliant. Every year. I just ordered that freaking box set. Exactly. That's one yeah. of those very uh, uh, mixed bag shows. You're either getting a great episode or a fucking garbage episode, <laughs> but the whole thing's a lot of fun. So Lily goes up to meet uh, our pal Agnes Bloom. I keep saying Agnes. I I'm, must be thinking about uh, Black Christmas. <laughs> what have you done to Agnes? <laughs> Anyway, um, so, God, I wrote Agnes like a hundred times in my notes. Thanks. Dude. Now you've said that a few times. I've actually forgotten what a flipping Sorry. Name is. She, <laughs> she goes up to Sorry. introduce herself to Iris, and uh, we get yeah. such a great, great bit of character here. She's so, like, she has to build her resolve to meet this lady, and so she's not confident. She has to, like, psych herself up. And uh, she introduces herself to Iris, who... Paula Prentice, when she turns around from staring out the window, she looks terrified, mm-hmm. which adds to I, I consider this a a red herring because it's like she's not terrified so much as just incredibly sad because she's mm-hmm. so lonely and she's yeah. in the state. But it, her face that's so stricken that it looks like something sinister is going on in this house. Yeah, it's intense. Which is funny because there's really not anything sinister <laughs> going on in this house. Uh, next thing you got, we got uh, our pal, Anthony Perkins, singing a song. Mm. You keep coming back like a song, and it does come back a good few times, doesn't it? Many times. Mm. Yeah, Iris has a little tape player, and she's got a freaking old, uh, <clears throat> an old cassette of Anthony Perkins singing, which I had no idea that Anthony Perkins had a singing career. No, me neither. Until I was at the record store many years ago, and I found one of his records, and I swooped it up immediately, and I, I actually uh, had it for a few years, listened to it a bunch of times, and I, and I gave it to Marky Karloff, right. my pal, because he's so uh, he loves Psycho and he loves uh, Anthony Perkins, and he, of course. He loved uh, Bates Motel, which, oh my god, I fucking loved Bates Motel. <laughs> Our buddy, um, Lily, uh, she hears, the first like day she's there, the first night she's there, she hears Iris calling out for someone named Polly. Mm. Polly! <laughs> she talks about something interesting. She talks about wearing white. Yes. She says, I, I'm not required by my employer to wear white, but I always do because it it makes me seem like I can't be touched, like I'm the constant mm. and I have this distance when the like the, she says like the the darkness, the claw of death is like closing uh, yeah. in on them. Like she's also um foolishly protecting herself from the same fate. 
Although I'm trying to remember she, whether over the top of that, she has a couple of, I think she has a hoodie like this as well, but she has like a kind of mustard looking cardigan, which yep. uh, like in um, Black Coat's Daughter, just, you know, the production design and the, the color palette and everything is just so specific. Oh yeah. I think it all even matches the phone later on, you know, as nice. the same color. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, I love that. And then we get that, um, you know, sort of fade to night where and he does this a good few times, doesn't he, in the movie where, you know, in the static shot, we see it sort of fade to night or back to day. You know, with the yeah, camera yeah, yeah. just completely locked down. And he, um, on one of these podcasts, he talked about this. Of, I think on all three movies, he, he said he sent the steady cam guy away. It's like, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> don't like that. <laughs> yep. It's, it's like, not I'm his gonna style. fucking slap this camera right here. Yeah. Um, he did work with um the the speaking of production design, he worked with uh, Shane Boucher. Right. Uh, he worked with him on uh, the Black Coats daughter i think so i think he had a lot of the same he had definitely had the same cinematographer yes yeah uh shane boucher and hmm. jeremy reed jeremy reed we'll see again when you and i get to uh gretel and hansel all right well it makes sense you know i mean especially this being in such close proximity to uh black coast daughter i mean i think he said they were made within a year of each other yeah speaking of cinematography uh, julie kirkwood is back she filmed black coast daughter this um she has gone on to do some cool stuff she did a uh, destroyer. Oh yeah, with, I'd uh, like to with, see that. Nicole Kidman with uh, Nick Nicole Kidman, <laughs> and then she shot um, the episode, the pilot episode of Yellow Jackets, which I've heard is good. All oh, right, and uh, I did actually watch um, Archive Eighty One, a, a couple episodes of that. Oh, uh, which is I'm another Net Netflix show. Yeah, Archive Eighty One's pretty good. I I'm not sure if I could watch it for a whole season, but the first couple episodes are really. Uh, intriguing i might go back to it anyway we immediately have the m bumpy wall which will later become the moldy wall so she notices in this hallway that the paint is starting to peel up a little bit like there's some moisture under it and uh, that will begin keep growing just before that or about the same i'm just found where that is in my notes so i've noticed before that she look in the mirror and there's a, there's a repeated shot like this later where she looks in the the mirror of the um you know the medicine cabinet at, or I think, anyway, bathroom mirror, and her face is kind of bisected or sort of divided or doubled. Yes, I love it. <laughs> the other thing I really like is when she's uh, chastising herself. She opens yes. a drawer to look in, and there's there's just like some keys, what looks like a dog leash. I'm not sure what's in that. And she she shuts the drawer real fast and smacks her own hand and goes, "No snooping." It's just, it's adorable, isn't it? And now she yep. does a lot of stuff like this, of like talking to the, the TV. And somebody yes. said, I, I didn't make this connection, but they said it was a bit like Cinderella or something. I, um, <laughs> shall you, yeah, sort of get what they mean. Uh, later, uh, that we see her wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt. Yes. And I said, she must be bonging it up. <laughs> She's smoking the marijuana spliff, funny little cigarettes. Well, you know, formaldehyde sandwiches by the end of this movie would make complete sense, <laughs> wouldn't they? Stop your uh, feet yeah. going black or whatever. Um, oh, no. Let me ask you this. I mean, I don't think it's kind of really, for want of a better word, relevant either way. I'm just curious. But when do you think this is set? I think, I, I think about that, too. I definitely think about that, too. Um, I'm guessing mid-90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mid-1990s. That's what I'm guessing this that is. That makes sense, yeah. Let's see. Oh, uh, speaking of the, and this is where she's on the phone. I, I meant to say this when I uh, logged on, but I couldn't find it in my notes. Forgot. But I was meant to say to you first. Uh, I was, uh, wake up, Spaz. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Yeah, the whole phone conversation is just great. And, you know, the kind of rapport she has with this, uh, 
don't know she interrupted a friend while she she's busy spooning with her uh, a bay or whatever she's like you slut (laughs) (laughs) yeah so she calls her bud and they're talking and she mentions about her ex and uh she's like she's like oh i don't want him to call me he doesn't have this number but when i say to him remember that time we almost got married but didn't Mm. i do it's like oh man this breaks your heart brutal and uh, we start hearing this knocking sound, and she's noticed this knocking sound while she's on the phone with her friend. This knocking sound will come back over and over again. And as she's talking, she talks about the phone cord being really long, and she tells her friend, like, it's just like the one at your grandma's house that's in this, like, this insanely long cord. And then all of a sudden, while she's talking, the phone cord starts to lift up, starts to lift up and lift mm. up, and then it rips the phone out of her hands. And she reacts to it, but she does not freak out nearly enough. She's like, oh, I guess the phone cord wasn't as long as I thought. <laughs> it's like, bitch, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. yeah. And she said, she says very important line. She says, I'm going to give myself a heart attack. Oh, foreshadowing. So uh, which ghost uh, Which ghost do you think was uh, ripping that cord? Uh, so yeah, this next is the first glimpse we could get of Lily's ghost. Yep. Her own ghost is hanging out. So mm. I think her own ghost was the one who's like trying to Try warn her. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even consider that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and of course, we get to see the the upturned uh, corner of the rug. Oh, and uh, speaking of, uh, sorry, upturned things. This is one thing that's going to have to remain a mystery in this film. There's an upturned oh. chair in the in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. It's like bolted <laughs> Someone- to the wall. Someone mentioned that in one of the the one star reviews that they said <laughs> that was the scariest part of the movie was what that upside down chair was. So there, there's that. all these mismatched chairs around the dining room table, and there's one rack on the wall for hanging stuff, mm-hmm. and there's just one chair that's hanging up there. <laughs> you know, in case uh, Iris wanted to have just one more guest that would never come over. <laughs> but yeah, we see the upturned corner of the rug, which is another sign that uh, Lily's ghost is trying to call attention to that spot she's trying to help her mm-hmm. uh we see the books we see um iris's library where she mm-hmm. has a, a whole shelf of her thriller slash horror novels yeah whoever designed these just hats off because they're perfect aren't they they're like yes. uh kind of old penguins or something yes. like that just say harping crime and i love the yep. titles i've neglected to write a lot of them down i think there was like one's quite odd i like quite like just remember yeah. underwater housewife but one and did you pick up the um call back to black Coast daughter here no what was it yeah one of the books is called uh she wore her hair around around her neck which is oh, uh, what, one nice. of the lyrics from that song nice oh it's so good man i wouldn't mind rewatching that hmm not about uh but more importantly she has this reaction to something in the library there and you think she just realized how famous iris is and she's like oh wow look at this piece of memorabilia on the over here no it's the tv she's like really excited about the television and she talks to it the way she talks to this television is so adorable oh my god i love it <laughs> love this part um we got a blumhouse scare yeah. By Mrs. Blum, Miss Blum, when she's <laughs> when she's done fooling with the TV, she stands up because she can't get any signal. She's like moving the rabbit ears, and so when she stands up, there's uh, Iris behind her, or as I call her, Agnes. <laughs> um, she puts her to bed, and um, Iris is like, "Oh, Polly," and she's like, "No, Miss Blum, I'm not Polly. I'm I'm Lily. Hello," and she's like, she says to Lily, she says. Polly, do you miss me? 
at least miss me the way I miss you. At least give me that. It's like, oh, Jesus. This poor old lady. So we cut to 11 months later, which when the Blu-ray comes out, um, I believe Osgood Perkins was quoted as saying that he actually has the 11-month version of this film. Oh, if only. We watch it in real time. <laughs> so um, she's she's arranging some flowers. And I would have never noticed this had the subtitles. I had I just went back and turned the subtitles on on Netflix. The flowers whisper to her. Oh, shit, yeah. This is how you rot. It's like, oh, no. I'd noticed all the time, but I'd made that connection of the actual flowers. And it, that makes sense because obviously she's kind of talking to them and naming yep. them, you know. Yep. So she hears a car pull up. She doesn't run out of the house screaming that flowers talk to her. Hmm. Uh, she hears a car pull up and it's the lawyer coming back. And she has my favorite thing that she does to psych herself up, which is she she makes a fist and looks really determined. And she goes, France. That's Yeah, I thought that's what she said. But I, <laughs> she yeah, says I, France. <laughs> it's like Viva la Revolution or something. Yeah, dude. What the fuck is she talking about? I love it. Brilliant. Oh, my God. This is how you rot. In France. So we have another awkward moment with uh, our, our lawyer pal here. Oh, God, she, yeah. the, the mold has really grown. The mold is now this big black streak on the wall. And uh, even though this estate is huge, uh, the lawyer's uh, nickel and diming this bullshit. He's like really hesitant to call out someone to fix the fucking uh, the, the, the rising damp, as British people mm. would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he's like, nah, I don't know. But we find out something interesting. So... The, the stipulations of her will are that she has to die in the house. So any medical care, it has to be in the house, which, you know, some people do that. Yeah. But the house is going to go to a promising female writer. Um, so, so, she, so once she passes away, she's going to leave the house to someone. And I'm wondering if there's a deleted scene. Because in the cast, there's a character named Scarlett Roth. Oh. This is an actress named Melody Hubert. And oh, yeah. I don't remember this actress. No, me neither. I have no idea who this actress is. I mean, it can't be. So I'm looking down the cast list. So if we have Lily, we have Iris, we have Mr. Waxcap, we have Polly, we have the groom. Mr. Darling. Oh, is he the, is that the name of the, um, you know, like the handyman? Yep. And then Young Iris, of course. And... Daniel Chicagov. But yeah, so so that's interesting. Um but he he tells um, Iris, fuck, he tells Lily, <laughs> so many characters, he tells Lily that the house, she called it the house of stories. Yeah, which I didn't consider the relevance of that until yesterday, Love just how it. it really is, isn't it? Yep. And she asks, uh, she asks him, hey, who is Polly? He's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> but then it's like, he kind of realizes and his whole manner sort of shifts and he becomes yeah. kind of really kind of serious almost kind of humorless really like yep. sort of relating this and then just really it's like then he does something like because he's going on about the book and then the film uh, you know assuming even though she's give, given every indication she's never going to read or watch either mm-hmm. and it's like yeah well i don't want to give it away i'd and then i'd hate to keep you even though she's obviously really intensely trying to you know almost like screaming at him you know, with her whole manner of like yeah please tell me what the hell happens exactly it's like, uh, nope i'm out of here no He's like, oh, there's a terrible film version, <laughs> which I found very amusing. So we get to meet uh, in the movie here, in the film, 
the film I Am the Perky Thing That Puts on a Bra. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> um, we get to meet uh, Lucy Boynton's character of Polly. We see her in the past. Um, she is dressed like a person who's not of our time or the 1990s. <laughs> and she has heard her little monologue here about what happened to her uh, because uh, Lily is reading the, the infamous novel, The Lady in the Walls by our pal Iris slash Agnes Blum or Blumhouse. <laughs> Or Heather Lagenkamp, whoever it is. She says something that is rather cryptic. She says, I'm wearing nothing but blood. Like, I'm going to leave this world the way I came into it. And I'm like, ooh, mm. that's how I'm going to go. Well, like, naked and screaming. Yep. Okay. Uh, f- furiously <laughs> masturbating. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm losing it. Oh, yeah. Mm. We cut to our pal Lily uh, washing blackberries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And apparently she's terribly allergic to them. Like, don't let them touch your skin. Uh, She drops the blackberries and the juice splatters all over the place. Sorry, was it just before? Yes, it was just before this, wasn't it? She's looking at the author Mm. photo on the back. And was it, was it, forget whether it's now or, um, because she's kind of like stroking the, um, the author photo on the back cover. Yeah, the necklace. Yeah, Yeah. she, she, she picks up the first bit of mold. And then is that when we cut to the, the blueberries? Yes, yes. So she, Yeah. yeah, it's, it's like. Uh, thank you for catching that. It's okay. like foreshadowing, uh, even more foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And she can't wipe this spot off. And when she splatters this, this blackberry juice on her, um, she's just covered in her arms. But then we see her arms become really bloated. Mm. She's freaking out. But then all of a sudden she hears something upstairs and she looks back at her arms and everything's normal again. Yeah, it's really and, unnerving. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> that night... Uh, that night, she's trying to talk herself into reading the book. <laughs> she's trying to psych herself up to it. It's so adorable. It's like, it's just a bunch of stupid words. It's just a bunch of stupid paper. It's like, like just put it back on the shelf, lady. You don't need the stress. Trust me. You do not need the stress. Indeed. Uh, we see Miss Blum at her typewriter writing when she was young. Just to know about that, it's something recurs throughout. And I'd say kind of what Snow was to the Black Coat's daughter, Rain is in this movie. You know, I yeah, kind of oh love Rain in movies. And just again, we just say this is just such a... You know, there's so many great like cinematic mood pieces. But this, you know, just for yeah. sustaining it for pretty much the whole duration is just... Um, makes me think of something almost like Symptoms, I guess. Yeah, and she never goes outside. We never. No. It's, it's really interesting to me that yeah. they, they, they kept it so localized. I, I kept, and, and that's why I think maybe there was some other deleted scene. Because yeah. I mean, yeah, nothing. Not she never steps foot out of the house that we see. That is perfect. Uh, we come back to Polly in action. So Polly, uh, wearing a blindfold and creeping around the house, uh, and someone is watching her. So yeah, there's 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 something going on here. We'll come back to that. We get more freaking television fun where we get our Ringu moment mm. where uh she's trying to get the the TV to work again and it's all fuzzed out and as soon as the TV goes off, uh we see the ghost of uh Polly behind her. Now she says something really interesting here that I wanted to look up before we talked, but I forgot. Mhm. As she's trying to get the TV to work, she's going between channels hoping to get one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's saying, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, stop. And I'm like, 
That is from an American game show. Ah, right. And I cannot place it. There's a there was a game show called Press Your Luck from 1983. It was on for three seasons. I have <laughs> never seen this show. I have never. I I knew the name. Let's see. I'm gonna see if they have a clip on YouTube of someone saying no whammies. Here, I'll send you the link so you can watch what I'm watching. We'll take up important time doing this. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, it's it's part of the game because you don't want to get a whammy on the board. <laughs> so the whammy is this little character. Yeah, it said like what was it say? Um, red cartoon creature with a high pitched raspy voice. I'm just pulling up the link that you um. Oh, got a whammy. <laughs> Although now, I, I, I may, uh, I'll have to watch you later. I think it's, I think I cleared my internet history, and now it wants me to sign into YouTube, and then I'll have to do two-step verification on my oh, phone, good. because apparently cool. logging into YouTube now is like logging into MI5. Yep. Or we just call it MIVS. <laughs> MIVS. So anyway, so she she's definitely a child of the game show era. Yeah. Love it. Uh, but yeah, we get a nice scare with the thing back there. And I immediately, of course, thought of the good old Ringo. And uh, next we see her calling the subcontractor to get out there and fix that motherfucking mold, bitch. <laughs> uh, he tells her to look for the source of the mold. So when she gets off the phone, she breaks her no snooping rule and goes looking around the house. And she finds a closet where there's a box at the top of the closet marked Polly. So she pulls it down. And of course, the mold, the mold. Oh God! She's—it's everywhere, and she's not immediately terrified because, of course, she's concerned about the mold with the lawyer. She's like, um, he's like, don't, don't worry about the mold. I mean, you're only going to be breathing it in, you know, like <laughs> until she passes away. And she's like, motherfucker, I've been here a year. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. So she opens this box and it's got all the papers of the original handwritten manuscript about with Polly's incomplete story. Because, of course, we find out we found out earlier that the story of Polly was told to Iris by mm. Polly herself. And she intentionally or unintentionally left the ending off. And, you know, Iris always wondered if it was because uh, Polly couldn't see her own fate. Yeah, I've, I've written and, and got there's so much dialogue because I say it's just so wonderfully kind of literary and poetic that I could have written down on this. I did write a bit from around here though. He asks the question, "How does one forget a death?" And I think a bit later in this same bit, maybe it's the body that remembers, and without the body, there is nothing to hold to. So nice. yeah, kind of implying now, yeah, she's sort of, and maybe that's why she keeps coming back round. She's maybe trying yeah. to remember. So we cut back again this time to actually see what happens to Polly. So. She was, they'd moved into this house as newlyweds, uh, her and her, her husband, and he's asked her to put on a blindfold because he has a surprise for her and she's wandering around the house and she gets to, and he's watching her as he's, she's wandering around with the blindfold on and she gets to the opening. There's, he's taken off uh, planks from the wall that where the mold would be growing mm -hmm. someday. Mm -hmm. And she cuts herself on one of the boards and looks at it and her, she immediately knows because all you can see is this grimy looking nasty brick behind there in this opening in the floor and she looks and he has a look on his face that is so sad like i don't know what the crime is we will never know why he did this was it a scam to get her dowry was it he's just a murderer who marries women and 
kills them? Do you have any theories? Well, a, a couple of things. Yeah, like you say, it's an ambiguous look. It's kind of he's he's set, you know, on his kind of purpose, but there is this kind of sadness. So it's like you wonder. I just sorry, I um, got thinking for a minute. I've been um, I sort of half preparation for this. I'd been reading mm-hmm. a um, book of short stories by Shirley Jackson because it's one of the. Um, let me find this. Mm-hmm. It's on the Wikipedia. One of my favorite reviews, kind of counter to that uh, <laughs> one star thing on. Uh, <laughs> no, I just noticed I'll have to read some of these later, but what was one of them just to, again, just to, um, on the one star things, uh, it says a warning spoilers, but, uh, yeah, they, they're, uh, oh, <laughs> she just had a Ringu moment. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody's written here, they've just the title of their review. I am the bored thing who watches this movie. It's like, oh, it's a, oh, it's a good shame. One, but, uh, dude. anyway, the less said about that, the better. Uh, one of the reviews <laughs> that I really like about from this, I think I sent it to you, somebody called April Wolf in the Village Voice, you described it as the most atmospherically faithful adaptation ever of a Shirley Jackson book that never existed. Nice. So that kind yeah, of put dude. me onto, I, I haven't read Haunting a Hill House yet, but I've been reading some of her short stories, and there's one I just finished yeah. yesterday, the ending of which is really super ambiguous. I think it's called, Ooh. yeah, The Honeymoon of, of Mrs. Smith. Interesting. All I'll say is it really seems to tie into what's going on here, kind of. Um, nice. in a really, really interesting way. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, there's just so much that is left like this, kind of purposely yeah. ambiguous, but just makes it all the richer and more interesting. Yeah, the uh, the last we see is him uh, coming after her and swinging the, the, a big mallet or a big hammer, and we don't see the impact, but then we see him boarding up the boards with the freaking blood all over his hands. The, uh, the editing here yeah. as well, how just again, you know, just in this, and it's becoming to kind of like a fever pitch of this moment, how we're kind of seeing all the various different times and characters, you know, in kind of quite su- quick succession, you know, how this is kind of rippling out, obviously, over yeah. the d- different periods. Oh, you know what's funny? I just realized why uh, Iris looks so scared when she meets Polly. <laughs> all right, why? Lily. Because she fucking recognizes her. Because mm. her ghost is already there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, Holy shit, dude. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? There's things which now you say that it's like, it, 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 I don't know whether it does you too. It kind of strikes you as kind of seemingly obvious. But yeah, it's just yeah. so much kind of hidden in plain sight, isn't it? Yeah, because she says, mm. you poor pretty things. Mm. You know, plural. Yeah. Uh, so uh, mm. uh, that night or whenever, I have no idea what time means anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they're watching a, an old Western on TV starring oh, yeah. good old Anthony Perkins. I didn't catch this the first few times and now I feel like a complete dope. You know, again, speaking <laughs> of things which just kind of smack you in the face. Uh, I've, I've forgotten the title of it now. Uh, I had this before. Uh, is it Friendly Persuasion? Is that it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is does not sound like the title of a Western. It really doesn't, does it? But it's a, yeah, it's a Civil War movie. With uh, the Gary Cooper, right? Okay. Yep. I have definitely never seen this. No, I'd never even heard of it. Um, I can't believe there's a movie from the fifties I haven't seen, brother. <laughs> but yeah, they're watching a little, little, little Anthony Perkins. So good, so good. And is it just <clears throat> shortly after this where um, I think I sent this to you before? There's a shot that really recalls. You know, obviously, I'm going to have to mention this somewhere as I always do. And I know if we talked about in the last episode. Um, Osgood, he's a big David Lynch fan that really recalls uh, Twin Peaks, you know, where Laura's whispering to Cooper. But uh, the thing oh that makes God, it even yes. more fucking perfect, and I think she'd been, whether she'd been brushing it before or whatever, uh, oh no, that comes later. Miss Bloom's hair, I've got a note here. David Lynch, eat your heart out. <laughs> nice. Nice. That is, she does have some wild fucking hair, mm. dude. I love it. Mm. She hears stuff happening in the house, so Lily goes to investigate. 
And the fucking boards have been removed. Oh, God, yeah. And uh, Polly is uh, just following her around the house. Oh, my God. And of course, uh, they, they talked about her uh, her feet on backwards. And, of course, Polly, very strangely, her feet are walking backwards. Yeah. Just her, back, her feet are literally on backwards. Oh, my God. She talked about this iris and she's, she's, she's gone around the house so many times. This has basically happened. Oh, it's so fucking creepy. Um, we see uh, Polly whispering to uh, Iris. And of course, the actress Lucy Boynton looks right into the camera with her dead eyes after she whispers mm. to Iris. Mm. So it's like, is she finally telling her what happened? Like she's finally revealing the ending to her all these years later. Yeah, again, going back to the Twin Peaks connection, it's the wonderful thing again of the fact that we'll never know. Just makes it all the more yep. kind of tantalizing, yep. really. So down in that entryway, down by the front door, Lily's down there. Looking for the, you know, like looking for the sound, this weird knocking she keeps hearing. Mm. And as soon as she turns around, uh, in her eye, we see the ghost of Polly reflected. And um, to say Lily is a light touch when it comes to the supernatural would be an understatement. Mm. Uh, mm. Because she has a fucking massive coronary. Oh my God, oh my yeah. God. She, it's like, I almost feel like they digitally messed with her. But I think it's just her crazy face. Right. Like, like, I think Ruth Wilson just has, she just has this large mouth and she's just like, like a fish trying to gasp for air. And man, it's brutal. Oh, yeah. Brutal. Yeah. So a couple of things about this one I'd never noticed till yesterday. Again, going back to just wonder how much of this is intentional or accidental. You know, saying the film opens with like the silent movie sort of Iris. And then yeah. seeing not just in the eye, but maybe in the iris itself. You know, it's such a startling shot, isn't it? You know, because oh how it's – generally, I think he's somebody who doesn't tend to use cl- uh, close-ups as much. I know right. there was a whole thing with um, – about. And I, I don't want to get too far ahead into Gretel and Hansel, but, um, you know, for the studio, you were saying, I suppose something he wishes he'd given them more was more close-ups, and I think himself for the edit afterwards. But generally, again, it's something – and b- because of that, you know, it's so bloody startling when you see, like, so this whole eye that fills the screen. And yeah. uh, before that as well, uh, you know, going back to the sound design, I think we'd heard maybe earlier in the film, you know, like the buzzing flies, like all swarm. Yes. yes. And then, you know, like like a wind. Before she has this, you know, the, the um, how did somebody describe it in a comment on, uh, oh, that was it, yeah, on, on my post about saying watching it yesterday, saying it was one of those jump scares that I think took 10 years off their life. Yeah, I read her. That was Kelly. Yeah. Your, your pal Kelly. That's that was it. great. I was like, yes. I mean, I don't know whether it's that moment she's talking about. I, I'm guessing it must be, you know. I mean, that is yeah, it has the, to the, be that. the standout yeah. scare, obviously. But uh, yeah, before that, yeah, like, see all the sounds is building and, you know, you're getting this just sort of general dissonance. But I think what makes it um, all the more startling is, you know, it goes quiet then. Then we just hear the ticking of the clock and then she turns around, doesn't she? It's, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, my God. Uh, and the, uh, the sound Ooh. stroke score, it goes, it's all like Penderesky. I forget how you say his name. Is it Penderesky? You know, that, um, you know, the guy Kubrick likes using quite a bit. Oh, my God, man. So so she, she croaks and we get to see uh, Lily, her own ghost, uh, standing over her own corpse. Uh, the the contractor, the repairman, has finally shown up, and uh, he's knocking on the door, and she's not answering, of course, because she's a ghost. Uh, but she's just standing there, looking over the whole scene, like, "Whoa, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get out of here." So she doesn't open the door, which is good because the smell. And then uh, we see upstairs, uh, Miss Blum is dead too. 
Yeah, you wonder how long we, with the saying you wonder how yeah. long we've been there. You know, because I think both of them exactly. have black and fade, don't they? Yeah, I mean, she's got the the bell to call her unanswered by her feet. It's mm. like, oh god, oh yeah, that detail I think just makes it all the more sad. Yep, but hey, got to get back to work, and we see uh, we either cut back to the past or we see um, Iris's uh, ghost writing the story with her typing things up. Yeah, it's like it was like, ooh, is this happening now or is this happening then? Mm. Is it both? Mm-hmm. Finally, the uh, the freaking uh, lawyer shows up because no one's been answering the phone, and he tries to open the front door and is greeted with uh, what we assume is <laughs> Iris's corpse blocking the door, so he runs to the back. And then we got the flash forward to the EMTs coming to take the bodies away. Again, it's all in one shot, isn't it? You know, just sort of um, yeah. little, little ellipses and all of that as we're fading, you know, to day to night and mm. back again. So we get the family-friendly ending. <laughs> We've got uh, the, the kids that we saw at the beginning. There, one, one gets up for a glass of water and the other one sits up. The boy sits up and he's like, There's something going on here. Something weird. But then, no, not really alarmed. He just goes back to sleep. It's one thing I didn't but, notice. Sorry, these are both um, Oz's kids, I'm guessing. This is James Perkins and Beatrix. Yes. I didn't notice. I suppose just, you know, our kids are kind of a bit androgynous sometimes. I'm guessing it's the girl that gets up to go for the water. Yep. Yeah, she pours herself a lot of water and only has a little sip and she wastes the rest of the water. And I'm <laughs> like, excuse me, what are you doing? Yeah. Do you not know about, like, water conservation, you little mm. idiot? No. <laughs> no, it's great. I love I love how, you know, Anthony Perkins brought his his children into, I believe... I, well, I know that um, he had Osgood Perkins on set. I don't know if Elvis had also been in any movies. Yeah. So you got uh, Anthony Perkins using his kid in the movie, and then you got uh, good old Osgood doing the same thing with his kids. Yeah, it's just nice, nice circular thing there. Yeah. And yeah, we see uh, we see Lily, uh, this the ghost, and she's uh, nervously uh, chewing on uh, what looks like uh, a handkerchief, but it's like. She's just like, oh, how can I say this? It's like an infinitely long piece of fabric that she's chewing. I wonder what this is, because it's the one point where she's in the phone scene. She's nervously chewing the phone cord after she's dropped it. And yeah. whether she might do a similar thing with one of the tassels on like a hoodie at some point. Exactly, also, yes. It's like a... I thought, is it one of those two things? Is it ectoplasm? And it also puts me in mind calling for to Gretel and Hansel, a certain thing that happens in that. I think they even use as right. part of the artwork, don't they? Totally, mm. totally, yeah. That's it's it's really startling. It's and that's that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'd never noticed this before as well. Just a tiny, tiny detail. The very last shot as she looks to the um, a lot of wonderful kind of fourth wall breaking in this film, which obviously makes sense because we're just directly addressed so often, you know, in uh, especially in the narration. Now it's kind of been told to us, but yeah, just that final shot. You just catch the tiniest, tiniest glint of her eye as she looks at us. Yeah. Oh my God. So good, dude. Setting mm. up that sequel. <laughs> what? The sequel is my stinky tuna Blu-ray, bro. <laughs> Wednesday. It's hot and cold running chills as a big witch brews trouble for America's favorite rabbit in Bugs Bunny's Halloween special. Me. What's up, witch? Then Raggedy Ann and Andy get the stuffing scared out of them in the pumpkin who couldn't smile. Two Halloween treats starting at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. Oh man, the, the clouds are rolling in. It is so dark right now. I can barely see my notes. This is brilliant. Oh wow. It's like kind of unlocking behind me. It's kind of the opposite here. There's a cloud or two. Wild. That's it. So I might be a tad defensive about how people feel about this film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, me, def- you know, standing on my freaking 
hill screaming into the night about, you know, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 and <laughs> fucking not understanding why people hate that shit, you know, and just this 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 movie is, you know, it's got to be I, I think one of the re- the other things that it it's so poorly received when it came out uh, was that Netflix streaming was so small mm. at the time. Yeah. Uh, Netflix streaming was not a lot of content for those of you who might remember when it started. No, and I think that's, uh, I think he maybe alluded to this. And because um, basically they wanted to uh, buy up uh, Black Coat's daughter at um, Toronto, which I think it was Toronto again. And just before I forget this, we should note uh, incredible uh, synchronicity, simonicity, what have you. The, I believe it's very premier, in fact. I mean, let's pull up the release dates. Mm-hmm. Um, again, was I think at the same film festival. So will that be the Toronto? So, yeah. Release I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House premiered at Toronto International Film Festival on September 10th, 2016. And in case that's meaningless to anyone listening, it is today is September 10th, 2022. Boom. <laughs> that's amazing. It is, isn't it? Oh, spoiler alert. We're, yeah, we're not recording in the Halloween proper. <laughs> oh, oh no. how time works. The release date on Netflix was October 28th, mm-hmm. 2016. So they, they're pushing for Halloween. And sure enough, people were fucking ripping their fucking dicks off. They hated this movie so much. Oh, that was it. So just come back full circle. So yeah, I think um, the same film festival, I think, where Black Coast Daughter premiered. The producer had told them that Netflix wanted to buy it, but there were all these reasons they decided it wasn't really in their best interest. But they were like, well, you know, what you got next? And basically, I believe he had this, but it was... Yeah. And it really kind of comes across, you know, doesn't it? The script is... He, he said... It was kind of written more like a poem, almost, really. Exactly. Exactly. It's one of my notes. Mm, mm. I, I, I really wish I'd seen Black Coat's Daughter in the theater. I mentioned yeah, in our episode yeah. that I, I had no idea what it was, mm-hmm. and I should have just jumped on it, because um, I want to say it was a couple years later, um, I was looking at what movies were playing, and there was something called Phoenix Forgotten playing, oh, right. and I just saw, oh, found footage movie? Mm-hmm. Okay. Didn't watch a trailer, didn't read the description, didn't see anything else about it, just message marking Carrie. said, hey, there's a horror movie called Phoenix Forgotten playing. Want to go see it? And they're like, yes. And we went and saw it. And it was so great going into it cold. Because mm. with found footage, that's the best, the best thing you can do is go into it without even having seen a single scene. I mean, obviously, they had a shot from the movie on the poster, but you know. I've never even great. heard of this. It has been produced by Ridley Scott. Okay. Between that and your yeah. recommendation, sold. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I don't watch much found footage anymore. I, I, yeah. I got a little burnt out on it. Um, I've got a, a list of the ones I need to see. Yeah. Um, I know Brad loves Hell House LLC, mm. and that's I one of my uh, that's one of my big ones. I'm like, damn, I need to see that. So Simon, um, why don't you go first if you don't mind? What? How do you feel about uh, I am the Perky Thing that already made that joke guy oh. movie is? I'm probably going to be repeating myself from. Black Coast Daughter, in a sense, um, you know, but I think I'm going to double down on that sentiment here. Of, yeah, I absolutely adore this movie and kind of indebted yes. to you to, I figure whether it was already on my radar, which I'd seen first, <laughs> but I remember you were a big fan of it. And it's one of those films that um, kind of like, I'm looking at your uh, profile picture of Vibrations, they're kind of oddly life-changing in a way, mm. but in a, in a different sort of way. Just so kind of creatively energizing to watch and such a breath of fresh air because I'm watching it last night after I'd had such a busy day at work because you know it's, it's just so much more kind of my speed I'm not a guy who likes to kind of get up and rush around a lot so I love the kind of you know thing that a lot of people would hate about this the slow kind of mannered very deliberate pace of it and just how 
quiet a lot of it is. I think we've was it Brad or you had even coined that term, or uh, I don't know whether it got from elsewhere, but you know of of quiet horror. You know, it's kind of yeah, a think, genre itself. I think yeah, I think that came up in in one of our conversations about about what we loved, <clears throat> what we loved about movies that people claim nothing happens in. Yeah, yeah. This is just kind of a case in point for that. So uh, yeah, I I need to watch. Um, so I'm listening at once. Um, Gretel and Hansel again, but I think probably a pushed just because um, I don't know. You know, like subgenres of horror. You know, like slasher movies were kind of you know it's one of the things that got me into it. Kind of my bread and butter. But next to that, and maybe zombie movies. I think ghost stories and ghost movies are kind of one of my just favorite things. Just ever right, really, regardless right. of medium, you know, whether it's film, TV, or you know, the whole literary tradition. So, and this is just to me just such a superlative example of it. Done in, like you say, it's a kind of literary film, but also very, very cinematic, and you know, uses all the the tools of it. Uh, like we said before, the the sound design. My God, you know, I, I'm sure you, obviously, being you know, much bigger into music than I, you know, and the whole production of it would have loved to have been there. You know, when they were d- doing all the um, sound recording and all the music mixing and all yeah, that to see what was absolutely. going on there. But I, uh, I could probably go on, but sorry, I turn it over to you. No, no, no. <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, this, this, yeah, this, this really is made for me. It mm. feels like. I mean, obviously, it's a very uh, personal film. Which normally, when Brad and I say that, uh, when we say, "Oh, that's a really personal film for that director," it's because we mean it's this terrible film. It's <laughs> uh, our little code. Uh, but this is obviously a very personal film for Osgood Perkins. I think the, his first two films is exactly what they are. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very curious. I, I've intentionally not been listening to him talk about Gretel and Hansel before our discussion. Mm. Um, I don't know how much of that comes from his, his, his uh, need to put something personal on the screen. But I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. we'll get to that when we yeah, get exactly. to that. Yeah. But I, I just find this movie so delicate and, and a, a, one of those poems, you know, it's mm. a more poetry than cinema. Yeah. It's like it's so moody and atmospheric. I mean, people are like that's one of the people's biggest criticisms. And some of like actual, you know, critics, not just IMDb people, that they 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 praise the atmosphere, but then they were criticizing it for having no substance of no nothing happening. And I'm like, mm, I disagree. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just not immediately obvious where that is, is it? You know, I love the rain. I love mm. the things that never get answered. That let you use your imagination. Uh, the um, the 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 time how time is in layers how the the ghosts how you know they they seem to time travel being yeah. you know like uh it's just it's really fascinating the the way lily's ghost was already there seeing all this stuff unfold or we're just watching her memory but it's like it's so mixed up that it could be either yeah yeah totally all the hints and clues everything is a little clue i love it um and it just it gets better with you know more viewings does, yeah. and the character of lily herself yes oh my god dude like you just want to protect her you want to save her from her fate somehow and it's like oh didn't you do a whole thing about like favorite film characters that i think she she um obviously appeared yeah yeah i went for all ladies i went for someone did a whole like post your 10 favorite film characters and i just did all ladies and yeah. like pulled from how and i pulled mm. from Juliet of the Spirits and like all these, you know, a lot of wistful things. Tina, of course, from yes, Halloween Five was yes. there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I love this. Um, I only have two criticisms of this film, but okay. I, you know, after watching it, you know, this is like my, I don't know, sixth or seventh viewing. I don't know. Yeah. I would say it's a little jarring when Polly starts telling her story. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if it's 
meant to be stilted because it was trying to replicate how someone from that era would speak mm, mm. from the you know the 1800s i'm not sure not nothing like horrible just you know um and i did actually totally agree with one of the really shitty reviews of this movie that um <laughs> ruth wilson's character announces that she just turned 28 <laughs> i just turned 28 and i was watching it with Lietta yesterday i'm like no you didn't <laughs> you wish you had she was 34 when they filmed this mm. But uh, this this person was like, oh, this, she looks so old. Oh, yeah, I'm 28. That's the fucking scariest thing in this movie. Oh, my God. Fucking nerds. <laughs> they can't all be poets like fucking John Boy who saved us from watching them. <laughs> oh, dear. I just it was like, do I do I try and scan through any more of these? It'd be like, you remember our Suspir- new Spirior episode? Wow. No, they'll never be that. They'll never no, talk No, I, I don't think we can. In fact, I've got one. I've, <laughs> something, I've just had something which tells me all I need to know about. It's like I asked this question, and the first one of the first reviews I've seen, it says one out of ten. Again, it's warning spoilers, so I can't see it. All it says is don't waste your time, so I'll close that window and I won't. There you go. Don't waste your time, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, that was fun, man. I can't yeah. wait till we get back to... Osgood Perkins when we do uh, Gretel and Hansel. Oh, me too. Did you just um, quickly, did you have any background? I Like you say, I think I've said a lot of the things that I'd sort of picked up from the uh, podcast episodes. Uh, there was two I listened to. There's one, the post-mortem podcast with Mick Garris, which was mm. from when, um, I'll probably re-listen to it when we do Gretel and Hansel. Uh, but what was yeah. this other one? AFC, I think it was something to do with AFC podcast. Um, which um, the person who um, interviewed him was obviously a big fan of this. So, yeah, the AFC Indie Filmmaking Podcast, episode 339, he speaks to us quite a bit. Um, yeah, really good episode, good discussion. You can tell, again, this is a guy who's very enamoured of uh, all his movies, and um, he asked him quite a bit about this one. But I think I've sort of dripped him, drip-fed throughout most of the things I picked up from that. But just quickly, um, I don't think there was really anything on... There's not a tremendous amount. I mean, I did watch, like you did, I found, I think it was from Entertainment Weekly, a very quick... It's more like a yeah. kind of puff piece or whatever, you, you know, like you say, they're kind of a bit bit cringy really aren't they the, the prom- prom- promotional uh, things they do um but where's my um ah right so apparently i'm sorry this is all from imdb so take it with a, a pinch of salt as always it says it had will, been, rep- been reported that debbie harry was initially attached to play iris blum although oh, role, wow. obviously yeah it can be interesting ultimately awesome yeah um Went to Paul Prentice, of course. However, Oz Perkins stated that the role was always thought for Prentice, who had worked with his father in Catch-22, which also incidentally featured Bob Balaban. Hey, look at that. Yep. Getting the, getting the, get the, uh, the band back together. Getting the band back together, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Indeed. But it says, yeah, Harry was indeed cast first, but dropped out a few weeks before filming began. That would have been interesting to see, but I think Paul Prentice is just so, um, again, sorry, yeah. just to borrow from her name, a bit of alliteration, Pitch Perfect. That, um, hey, Pitch Perfect Paul Prentice. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you just, yeah, I think it worked out for the best, really. Oh, and somebody written down, it's not really trivia, but just they've written down some more of the titles here. So, books on a bookshelf seen A Family of Ropes, The Dark Moonflower, Underwater Housewife, and we'd already mentioned she wore her hair around her neck. Obviously, called nice. back to Black Coast Daughter. So, yeah. Nice. Very cool. Mm. Love it. Well, folks, we hope you have a grand old party on Halloweener. <laughs> Make sure you eat the long hot dogs. <laughs> I am the long hot dog that hangs on your shoulder. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Oh, that's, uh, I think it's maybe a bit late in the day now, but uh, you know, like you did with Black Coast Daughter, you and Lieta giving alternate titles. You, you, you've you uh, sent quite a few to oh, me in, yes, in messages. Oh, 
we should have done that for this one. That was fun. Maybe, I forgot all about maybe that. Maybe we'll do it sort of, uh, uh, not posthumously, <laughs> but so to speak, for Gretel and Hansel. I'll make a note to myself to maybe do a few of those. There you go. Good idea. <laughs> well, folks, thanks for listening. Simon, thanks for hanging out, dude. Oh, always a pleasure, man. Hell yeah. Um, and with that, we are going to say, boo, hoo, ghosts are cool. Good night. Good night. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Please check out the other podcasts on legionpodcasts.com. If you'd like more Hello, This is the Doom Show, go to hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or go to doomedmoviethon.com for the archives. If that's still not enough, go to at doomedmoviethon on Twitter. You can write in to Hello, This is the Doom Show. Use the email doomedmoviethon at gmail.com. Doom Show episodes are available on record and 8-track cassette. <laughs>